How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Hey, man, I love seeing those kids dancing up front. Isn't that awesome? Man, girls, keep it up. That's awesome. It brings such a freedom here, you know, and joy, you know. It just makes me smile. If you come in here all grumpy-faced and you see, like, the, the little girls dancing up here, you can't help but smile. <laughs> so that's awesome. Well, cool. You guys ready? Let's pray. Lord, help. (laughs) Help me, Lord. Help us, Lord. We welcome you, Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're here already. We thank you, and we ask that you would come as the teacher, as one of your namesakes, the teacher, the leader into all truth. We welcome you. We open our hearts to you. We want to hear from you this morning. Help me, Lord, just to communicate what's on your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, cool. Hey, uh, do you guys know that we have a somewhat of a vision statement? Are you guys aware of that? (laughs) No. I know, we haven't been the best at, like, advertising it or whatever, but um, what is it? The The presence of God. What about his presence? We're seeking it. Number one, right? We value the presence of God. We want him here. We want there to be a rumor that Jesus is literally in our midst. And that's our pursuit. We will put everything ahead of that. Oh, wait, no. We will put that ahead of everything. (laughs) Help me, Lord, man. (laughs) But does that make sense? I know that's on a lot of your guys' heart. That's why you're here, because we are together pursuing him. We want to experience him in a greater way, and we want to see our city transformed by his presence. So that's number one. We talked about that for a while. We'll continue to talk about it. Do you guys know what the number two is? (laughs) If you guys can remember. Equipping, that's right, to equip, to train and equip. We're called to be an equipping body. You know, uh, for the longest time, you know, we've been here, this church has been here about 15 years now. And, uh, you know, I've been here probably about 15 years, right? Gosh, it's been a while. Um, and, you know, one of my somewhat frustrations with the Lord is like, Lord, how come we grow and then we shrink and we grow and we shrink as a body, right? That like goes against all church growth (laughs) models, right? Um, And it's not God's model. Yeah, he, that's exactly right. He said, Lord, like the Lord wants to grow us. And and we, there've been many dreams that people have given us about how the Lord's going to grow us into a large congregation. But he told, he, 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 kind of talk to me specifically. He's like, Paul, that's not the calling of your church. The body that I, the, what I want to do here in this body is to train, equip, and send out. And that's exactly what, if I really looked back and I saw what the Lord was doing over the years, that's exactly what he did. There would be seasons where we would have, we literally had like 20 some Marines that would drive all the way from Camp Lejeune, come here, get equipped, and then they got deployed all over the world. I remember, like, uh, we had an internship program. It's kind of like a school of ministry. I'd be, like, Skyping with some of them over in Afghanistan. 
you know? We were like, we kept this, they were ministering out all over the world. This little dinky body. And this has been like the pattern of over the years that we would train, equip, and then all of a sudden all everybody would leave. <laughs> Mark, you've been here long enough to see all that. Some for good reasons, some for bad, honestly. That's, that's life, right? Life, family's messy sometimes. And, um, but, but that has always been one of the core foundational visions of like what God wants to do here is to train, equip, send out. And, um, and that's hopefully why you, some of you guys are here. You want to get trained. You want to get equipped. You want to grow deeper. You want to grow further. You want to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit in a greater measure. I want that. Amen. That is my heart. We're only here for like a blink of an eye. Let's not waste this time, man. Let's get equipped. Let's get out there. Let's see God move and bring his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, right? So that's number two. And number three is a healthy community. We want to build a healthy community here, a family where healthy ministry comes out of, where we build relationships. Because we believe, Ephesians 2.22, that God is building us together. He's creating a structure not out of like stones, but out of people, so that his presence and his power can dwell within us. You know, So in our relationships, we can see in the power and the presence of God operating here in this church and beyond, right? So um, the Lord, as you know, we've been talking over the past couple of weeks, you know, uh, or months really, like we've been really feeling like the Lord's, bringing us back okay. COVID kind of sidetracked us for a while. Um, I don't know if you guys remember. It was probably about uh, literally a year ago, right? About a year ago, to the, maybe to this day, that we were going to kick off ministry teams and a bunch of you guys. We, we were like the next following week, we were going to start ministry teams, prophetic teams, and then COVID hit and shut everything down. And but uh, the Lord's been speaking to us over the past couple uh, months to like get this thing going again. He He wants it's it's time. And um, so, all that being said, um, that's what I'm going to talk about today. <laughs> talk about training and equipping the body. Um, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians four, verse eleven. We'll start there. This is basically the scripture where uh, our vision statement comes from, one of the scriptures, but this is kind of the main one, and you guys have heard it before, Ephesians 4.11. It says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, and some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. All right, so you guys have heard this scripture many times if you've been here. And it's talking about the fivefold ministry here. Now, unfortunately, the majority of the American church is not operating this way. And if anything, if you go to verse 12, 
This, this is really how the, the American church is operating right now. You know, God gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the work of ministry. You see that in verse 12? It's like that for the equipping of the saints isn't even there. He gave us all the, the pastors, the teachers, the evangelists, the apostles. He gave us those, that minis- those ministries to actually do the work of the ministry. How many of you know that's obviously not what it says there? But how many of you guys have experienced that in church before? Where you have church leadership, the pastors, and some of them call themselves bishops, and some of them all these names, these titles and stuff, that they're the ones that do the work of the ministry. They're the ones ministering to people. They're the ones that are sharing the gospel. They're the ones that are praying for the sick. They're the ones that are giving prophetic words. You guys ever been in a church like that? Go to like any of them around us. That's how they're operating. And see, but the Holy Spirit is changing that. He loves his bride, and he's, he's like sanctifying his bride. He's maturing his bride, and we're getting back to this biblical model. It's happening. There are many churches that are operating in this, or attempting to, or trying to, and we're one of them. We want to walk in this, where we have the five-fold ministry operating within our body, and their sole purpose and job is to equip the saints to actually do the ministry. You see the difference there? It's a totally different mindset, totally different. It's a complete paradigm shift to most churches you go to around today. So we kind of have to, we have to get back to what the Bible says about ministry. That not, it's not our, necessarily the pastor's job to do everything. Why do you think pastor, the, the job of a pastor is like probably one of the most burnt out professions right now? Because there's such a burden put on them to do all the work of the ministry. It's impossible. It's not even the Jesus model. What was the Jesus model? Train, equip, 12. They go train, equip, 12. They go train, equip. I mean, it was exponential growth through this discipleship, through this training and equipping, right? That is the Jesus model. That's the biblical model. And we want to get back to that. And the Holy Spirit is speaking to so many churches to get back to this. And uh, so that's what we want to do. We want to walk in this. You know, I'm going to tell you right now, I mean, you, you, you guys who know me, like, I, I, I'm not going to do all the work of the ministry. I'm just not. I don't have time. I don't have, I don't have the capacity. God didn't, he did not set up church leadership to do that. You all are supposed to be doing the work of the ministry. Now, we, we minister as well, but you know what I mean? Our sole job, I believe, is to equip and to train. So that's what we want to do. And that's, what, that's why we're having these workshops, is uh, we want to kind of kick this thing back up again and have some times where we're training and equipping and we're walking in these things that are available for us to see the world around us, where God has planted you in Wilmington, to see it transformed. It's not an accident where God has planted you here in Wilmington, the people that you're around. He has a plan and a purpose for you to be reaching out to those you're planted around. And he wants you to do it in power and in love and in relationship with him. Okay? 
So if all the saints are to be doing the work of the ministry, where do we start? And I think this is very important, and we've talked about this before, but I think it's very important since we're kind of kicking this thing off to kind of start from a foundation and to build this foundation together uh, of what does healthy ministry really look like? Where do we start with healthy ministry? Because so many people kind of gonna get like off track if this foundation isn't necessarily laid. Does that make sense? The house will crumble uh, unless a true and right foundation, a biblical foundation is laid. Does that make sense? So that's what we want to do this morning. That's what I'm going to try to do this morning. So uh, if you got your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew 3.16. Cause here's the deal. Jesus, I know you guys, some of you guys have heard Bill Johnson say this. Jesus is perfect theology. You know? Whatever he did was perfect. And we are to be to model as well. And so you know, my main question, when I'm like, okay, we're called to minister, we're called to be trained and equipped and to walk in ministry, I'm always going to look to see what Jesus did. How did Jesus do it? Because he's perfect theology. So we're going to look at that. We're going to look at the Jesus model. Okay. So Matthew 3, 16, it says, and when Jesus was baptized, he went up at once out of the water and behold, the heavens were opened and he saw John saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my son, my beloved in whom I delight. All right. And you guys have heard us speak on this before that before any recorded miracle, any recorded miracle before Jesus officially began his ministry, he was baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and filled with the Father's affirmation and love. That's where Jesus started. He started his ministry from that point. That's a place of receiving. He started from a place of getting filled. Right? He didn't start necessarily, boom, right out of the gate, healing the sick, raising the dead. He started from a place of being filled, a place of receiving. Because that, the very first thing that he did was going to fuel the ministry that was going to come out of that. Right? So we're going to go through this right now. The Father is speaking over Jesus after he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He speaks to him. And he says, number one, you're a son. You're my son. Number two, you're my beloved. I am madly in love with you. And number three, I delight in you. I am proud of you. I actually like you. You know? Some of you guys think God doesn't, he, he loves you, but he doesn't necessarily like you. <laughs> Newsflash, he likes you. He likes hanging out with you. <laughs> all warts and all. All right. So Jesus started his ministry from this place of being filled with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Father's love, and filled with the affirmation of the Father. All right. And we are supposed to walk in the same thing. This is where we are starting from. This is where healthy ministry starts from being filled from our Father. 
All right, so we're going to go through each one of these. So you are a son and a daughter. This is my son. 1 John 3, 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. If you are a born-again believer, you are a child of God. You are a son. You are a daughter. Your identity is in him, not necessarily. So uh, our identity, it's established not by what we do, ministry, it's whose we are. And this is important to get because when you step out in ministry and you start seeing God move in powerful ways, and you will, this is to guard you from finding your identity in the things that you do. Because when that happens, the enemy comes in and pride comes in. And, you know, pride, what happens after pride? There's a fall. <laughs> right? God gives grace to the humble. So this is out of protection. God wants to protect you. He wants you to know that you're a son and a daughter so that you operate from that place of identity. This is huge. And the second part of this is because you're a son and a daughter, you actually have legal right to the inheritance that was purchased through the work of the cross. You guys understand that? This is important. We don't pray like, Lord, oh, if it's your will, please, 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 please. We're not begging God. We're not coming from a place of a beggar or we're coming at a place as a, as a son and a daughter before the throne of grace. Your position, does that make sense? Very different. So when you're coming and you're stepping in ministry and you're coming from a place of identity of being a son and a daughter and an heir, a co-heir with Christ, the Bible says, we can confidently minister with faith. We can confidently minister from a place that my inheritance encompasses all of these things. And we've gone through it before about like, you know, Walking in the prophetic, healing, deliverance, evangelism. All these things have been given to us by what Jesus accomplished on the cross. So when you know that you're a son and you know you're a daughter, you can now operate in confidence, in faith, to access your inheritance that is in heaven and bring it here on earth. Does that make sense? This is huge. Now, you might still have, just to be honest, you might have some like fear about it or some doubt. I mean, gosh, the enemy still tries to hit me with doubt when I've got a prophetic word from somebody, for somebody and, and the enemy will come in and he'll say, Paul, man, you're making this up. You didn't hear that. And I know by now that I'm a son and I am his sheep and his sheep know his voice. And I can confidently walk out and give a word because I hear his voice. And I'm his son. And I choose not to listen to the idiot. I step out. <laughs> we are in the same way. Because you guys are going to get hit by doubt. Oh, gosh, I pray for that dude in wheelchair. I don't know if I can do this. You can because you're a son, you're a daughter, your inheritance is healing. And God wants you, by faith, as a son and a daughter, 
to access that healing and bring it here to earth. Okay? All right. Identity, it's huge. All right, it's huge. <laughs> My beloved. All right, number two, he says, my beloved. Okay, so he is filled with the Father's love. This is huge. This is huge, too. All these things are huge. I'm just keep saying. We need to be filled with the Father's love. We need to operate from a place of being filled with the love of the Father. All right? This will enable us to love those around us. Because ministry without love is like a... A gong, right? Or a loud cymbal, just making noise, right? You guys know the scripture, First Corinthians 13, right? We've got to have love. When we're ministering in the prophetic, when we're ministering in healing, when we're ministering in, in deliverance, in evangelism, it's to come from a place of the Father's heart, from his love. So when I see somebody, I am having his heart for that person. This is huge. <laughs> and being filled with his love, this also will guard us from a works mentality. Because a lot of times, and, th and this is huge that what, what, uh, with Jesus, that he didn't even do anything yet, necessarily, in a ministry-wise, and yet he was loved and filled with God's love for him. God wants to do this, the same thing for us because his love is not based on your behavior. It's not based on how many people you've healed, how many people you have given words to, how many people have been saved through your ministry. You're loved even before any of that takes place. Because unfortunately, the enemy, he's tricky. I'll just be honest, he's tricky. He comes along and he tries to say, well, you got to keep on doing, oh, you didn't share the gospel five times today. You know, God's disappointed in you. There you go, Paul. You, you got a word for this person and you didn't give it up. That's a works mentality. The enemy will come alongside. When you start walking and ministering in the, under the power of the Holy Spirit, the enemy will try to shut you down. And he does this by saying stupid stuff like that. We all know it's stupid, but when you're in the moment and you hear that voice, it does sound convincing. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> I've known after a while, hopefully, Lord willing, that I recognize his voice and I can just tell him to shut up and let's move on. <laughs> right? All right. So he wants us to be filled with his love and operate from a place of the Father's love. It will guard us from works mentality that we're trying to gain his approval by doing ministry. It's a trap. We don't, we don't operate from that place. And number three, he said, the Father said over Jesus, in whom I delight. So we need, just as Jesus received the affirmation of our Heavenly Father, we need to receive affirmation from the, our Heavenly Father. We need to know that he's pleased and he's proud of us. And we're supposed to operate in ministry from that place because God wants to, to minister in a healthy way. 
not from a place of trying to gain man's approval. I tell you right now, you start operating in the, the power gifts. The enemy will come along and he will try to say, you got to do this, you got to do this. What are people going to say about you, you know, if you do this? You got to share all the stuff that God did through you so you gain man's approval. I'm telling you, he's an idiot. He's a punk. He'll come at you like this. But the affirmation of the Father guards your heart from this. Does that make sense? <laughs> Has anybody experienced that before? Oh, oh, Rick Joyner's here. I got to tell him everything that I've done so he likes me. So he thinks I'm special. So he thinks I'm a prophet. And he gives me a platform. Come on now. You know some of us have thought those things before, or at least the enemy has tried to put those things in our mind before. The affirmation of the Father protects your heart from this. Because the fear of man is a snare, and that is a form of being afraid of man, seeking the approval of him. You don't need the approval of man. You don't need it. You need the affirmation of your heavenly father because when you have that, I'm going to tell you right now, you don't need affirmation from man. You don't. That hole in your heart or whatever you want to call it, that hole in your, your, your person that needs affirmation, because I'm going to tell you right now, you were designed to need affirmation. Did you guys know that? God, when he created you, he put in you the need for affirmation. But he meant for that need to be filled by him. Does that make sense? Not by man. But see, that's one of the roots of sin, is that we're trying to meet that need that God actually put in our heart with other things, with man-pleasing things. But God wants you to know that he loves you. He's proud of you. That you're important to him. Does that make sense? This is huge. This is huge. It really is. This will guard your heart from you falling in a ditch. And it will also enable you to minister from a healthy place and be really a true reflection of the Father. Because if you're ministering to somebody without needing anything from that person, hear this. You're ministering with the heart of the Father. Because unconditional love wants nothing in return. It just gives. It just gives. And if we minister from a place of just love, I just want to give his love. I don't need anything from you, but I'm going to give what he's given me to give to you. It's a healthy place. And it will enable you to actually step out more boldly. Because like you're, not, you're less concerned about what that person's going to think. That helps me. Just be honest with you, I'm like, you know, when I'm out in like Lowe's Foods or something like that, and I've got like a word for somebody, and I get this kind of like fear of man kind of thing come over me, like, oh, I don't know, what are they going to think about me? I think I'm a weird dude, and you know, and then I just kind of stop for a second, I'm like, no, wait a second. Father, you're proud of me. 
you love me. I want to give what you've given me to this person. I want to love them with a pure heart. I don't need anything from them. Because you've given everything I need. Does that make sense? This is where we minister from. This is where Jesus, the Son of God, ministered from. A place of being filled with the Father's love, filled with the Father's affirmation, filled with the, his identity found in the Father, and filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, which really was a picture of him being accepted as a son. Because that's the same way. When, we receive, when we're born again and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us, that's a spirit of adoption. It establishes our identity as sons and daughters. And it literally cries out day and night, whether you hear it or not, Abba, Father. Over and over again, there is this open dialogue that is opened up when you got born again. And then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit where you're empowered to be a witness. So many times we've... We just take the baptism of the Holy Spirit and it's just kind of like for the church. No, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is first and foremost, the Bible says, for you to be a witness to those around you and to empower you in the spiritual gifts. And we're going to talk about more of that and we're going to walk more into that. All right. And, uh, and one thing I, I really want to kind of hit on, too, is this isn't just like a one-time deal. A lot of times we think that, like, um, we have an encounter with the Lord, and we're filled, or we go to a Sunday service, and worship's awesome, and we just feel the presence of God. We're filled up with his love for us, and we hear his voice. Like, even what Margaret was singing this morning, like, I love the way you say my name, right? It was that, yeah, like, that affirmation that identity found in him. This isn't a one-time deal. This is a continual thing that we need to be walking in, that we need to, it is okay to wake up in the morning and say, Father, fill me with your love. Father, fill me with your affirmation. Because he made you dependent on him to be filled by him. It is literally how he made you and I to need him. Sometimes we think, oh, I need to be mature. I need to grow up in my, I, I must, I've been walking with the Lord for, I don't need to ask for those things anymore. Give me a break. You need it. We need it. We need to be continually filled with his love, with his affirmation, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, and continually being reminded of who we really are, what, who, who we are. Who is, who we, <laughs> I can't even say it right. You guys know what I'm saying. <laughs> Whose we are. <laughs> All right. And just to kind of prove that point even more, I mean, if Jesus received it, remember, he's our model. We need it. Matthew 17, 5. We, uh, you guys can turn there if you want. This is the, at the Mount of Transfiguration. While he was still speaking, this is a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. Now listen to him. <laughs> Do you see the pattern here? If Jesus experienced it multiple times, how much more do you think we need to experience that? 
And you guys, if you were here a couple months ago, we talked about the uh, talked about um, you know the love of God. Um, in Ephesians three seventeen, I want to read this to you guys because this is the uh, the amplified, turned up version. This is Ephesians three seventeen. This is what. This is what I'm talking about, about being filled with the love of the Father, being filled with God's love for you. This is a prayer. This is an awesome prayer, and I encourage you guys to pray it over yourselves even daily because if it's a prayer in Scripture, canonized Scripture, God's Word, how much more do you think it's the will of God? You know what I'm saying? If there's a prayer and it's praying this thing, God wants you to have it. Does that make sense? All right. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth, the length, the height, the depth of it? Listen, this is it. That you may really come to know. Practically, through experience for yourselves, the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, you know, head knowledge, that you may be filled through all of your being until the fullness of God may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Man, isn't that an awesome prayer? That is the will of God for you, that you would be filled to this measure, that you would experientially know the love of God experientially over and over and over again. Not because you did anything. Not because you're a super spiritual Christian, because God made you to need it, and, you, and we need to be filled continually with his love. It is your inheritance, not something you have to earn. It's not something that you've got to muster up. You don't have to get in prayer time like, God, fill me with your love. You You don't have to do that. You need to get in his presence, say, God, fill me, and just receive. Whether you feel it or not, sometimes you'll feel it. I remember one time my encounter with God's love, I thought I was going to die. And I share with this with some of you guys. I remember this was, I just was coming back to the Lord. I was in my college dorm, a bunch of crazy kids every running everywhere. It's like kind of middle of the night, you know, it was kind of crazy. And me and my, my friends, we were having this jam session or whatever. You were going after the Lord, you know, chunking out chords on our guitars. Everybody kind of left for the night except for a couple people kind of lingering around in the hall and all this stuff. And the Lord spoke to me clearly. He said, Paul, just begin to pray in the Spirit. So I was like, okay. Just begin to pray in tongues. And all of a sudden, the presence of God came in my dorm room so strong, I fell on the ground. I was like face down into the carpet, and I was yelling at the top of my lungs. (laughs) 
I couldn't even control it. I, trust me, I was trying not to yell because <laughs> there were like all those people around. You know, you guys been in college dorms. I mean, the walls are paper thin. And I, I mean, I was making a scene. <laughs> and I didn't mean to. But the love of God was so powerful. I thought I was burning up. I literally thought I was on fire. I was like sweating. <laughs> and I was yelling because I was so overwhelmed by the love of God. And I, and I remember just saying, God, what in the world are you doing? <laughs> Talk about the fear, healthy fear of God. I had the fear of the Lord at that point because I was not in control and I didn't know what the heck was happening to me. But God, he said very, he, you know what he did? And, it's, it's, and I felt like I was supposed to share that this morning because of the song. All I heard, I heard my name. I said, I heard him say, Paul. Oh my gosh, I wrecked me. And then he brought to remembrance the scripture of Mary in the garden. You guys remember that scripture? Where he's like, where Mary's like, Jesus. He's like, you know, she thought he was the gardener. And she, he's like, where have you put my Lord? Where have you put my Lord? And he just did one thing. He said, Mary. And she's like, Lord. She, he knows us by name. And he wants, to, he wants us to experience that affirmation that he knows you by name. You're his son. You're his daughter. And if you don't know him, he wants you to be his son and daughter. That is the message of the gospel. We are supposed to minister from that place. Mary was the first evangelist. <laughs> she was the first witness she ran and tells everybody, he's alive. I saw him with my very own eyes. She was ministering from that place of affirmation, of identity, and of love. Does that make sense? That's where we're supposed to operate from. Now, this isn't to like stop us from stepping out. Sometimes you're like, well, I don't feel God's love when I go out and minister. I don't, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling like I'm his son. So I'm not going to go out today and minister. Because <laughs> that will come. <laughs> and you guys, a lot of you guys know this already. You just got to tell that flesh to shut up. <laughs> because you are a son, whether you feel like it or not. You are filled with his spirit, whether you feel it or not. And you are loved whether you feel it or not. Sometimes you will feel all three things. And you're meant to. We're supposed to have an experiential relationship with him. That, that means it even includes our emotions. You know, God created our emotions. You know this, right? <laughs> he invented feelings. <laughs> the enemy didn't invent feelings. You guys got that? You're supposed to feel God. You're supposed to encounter God in your emotions. Now, I say that because a lot of times there's this argument of like over-emotionalizing, you know, when we encounter God. I'll be honest, you get in the very presence of God, look, read the Bible, what happens to everybody who gets in the presence of God? They are physically <laughs> undone and affected Amen. by the presence of God. But at the same time, now there is over-emotionalism stuff, but we won't go there. <laughs> We're not worried about that stuff. I'm saying that mainly to, to not allow the enemy to stop you from stepping out. Yeah. 
because he will come along and be like, you're not a son. What did he do to Jesus? What was the first thing that Jesus did after he experienced the Father's love and affirmation and being filled with the Holy Spirit? What was the first thing the enemy did to him? Do you guys remember? What's that? Tempted him. How did he tempt him? Yeah, but what specifically? What was the question? If he was going after his identity, if you are the son of God, do this. The enemy will do the same to you. Don't let him trick you. He's a punk. Operate from a place of faith, of what the word of God says about you, who you are in him, and him in you. Because I'll tell you one thing, there have been many times I did not feel like ministering to somebody and I saw God move because I chose to because I know what the word of God says and I know who who I am, whose I am, and I know who lives inside of me. And it's not about me. (laughs) It has nothing to do with me other than me yielding and surrendering and partnering with the God of the universe, to see him move. You know how many times I've given prophetic, you guys see me, I mean, this is family here. You know how many times I've come up here to the front and I'm like, man, I don't feel like doing this today. (laughs) I'm just being real with you guys. My flesh didn't want to. My spirit, man, was like, man, I want to see God move. I want to see the kingdom come. I want to see people get blessed and touched and impacted by the kingdom of God. My spirit, man, says that my flesh is sometimes like, Man, I don't know if I want to do this today. (laughs) And some of those times have been the most impactful times I've seen in people's lives, people getting touched by me just denying myself, picking up my cross, and walking and following, you know? Following his voice, following his example. Does that make sense? Because that's going to happen to you guys. And he's going to say, remember that? Yesterday, when you yelled at your wife and you cussed out when you're your little kid or something, <laughs> I don't know, I'm just throwing out stuff. <laughs> or you looked at that woman or man in that weird way that you shouldn't have. The enemy, I'm, I'm just being real with you guys because the enemy will use this stuff to, to stop you because he doesn't, he knows if you step out in faith as a son and a daughter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, filled with the love of an affirmation of the Father, you will do damage to his kingdom. The kingdom of God, when it comes, it's like, it literally is like a steamroller. It demolishes everything, everything in its way. Because the enemy's kingdom is falling apart. It's built on lies. So when the kingdom of God comes, it just demolishes his work. What did Jesus come to do? Destroy the works of the enemy, right? So he's, as he has been sent, he sends us to do the same thing. Does that make sense? So this is where we're starting from in a healthy, and a lot of you guys already know this, but it's okay. I need to be reminded this daily. I need to be reminded this daily. I've been walking with the Lord for 20 years. I need to know that I'm a son. I need to know that I'm operating in the love that the Father has for me, that I don't need man, his approval, that I'm not operating from a place of needing anything from anybody, but I'm coming from a place of being filled. 
I'm not operating in lack. I'm operating in overflowing, whether I feel like it or not, because I have the Holy Spirit living inside of me, and he is a river of living water. I don't know if you've ever been to a river. I don't know if you ever tried to stop a river. Good luck. He's in you whether you like it or not, if you are a born-again believer. <laughs> now, we can. He does, he does kind of, there is, we do have to work with him and partner with him. You guys who've been here long enough, we've had plenty of teaching on partnering with the Holy Spirit and yielding and working together with him because that's what he wants. He wants relationships.